Hello and welcome back to another episode of Football Chance and Rants with the plants. We are dad and daughter with myself, Lauren. And me, Graham. And a little bit different reflecting this week because obviously there was international matches, which means there was a couple matches in League One, quite a lot going on in League Two, National League, and I will also be reflecting on those international matches. So the lineup for the podcast, I'll be discussing some of those World Cup qualifiers as well as a good deed by a Manchester City midfielder. I'm reflecting on uh, um, a couple of uh, exciting games in lower leagues and uh, an exciting day out next week. Well, for my warm-up conversation, Dad, I'm just going to basically be praising that it's good to see some of the Chelsea fallouts, so to speak, under Tuchel, uh, getting plenty of game time and seem to be doing really well in Italy. So I just thought I'd look at Tammy Abraham and Tamori. Obviously, Abraham is now at Roma. Jason Mourinho is obviously taking him on fourth in Syria. They've played 7-1-5. Um, he seems to be starting most of the matches. I think he's only scored four in all the competitions so far. But he seems to be gaining quite a bit of momentum and um, seems to be doing really well and enjoying it over there. And I think you were saying in the papers that in a month's time he should be fluent in Italian, which sounds pretty optimistic. But um, he seems to be doing really well. And Tamori, again, obviously from Chelsea, kind of in favour with Lampard, never really got fully in the team. Uh, he's now with AC Milan, who is second in the league, two points behind Napoli. Uh, seems to have developed a really good centre-back partnership with Romanoli. And it's just nice to see, you know, some players that wouldn't be getting any pitch time really in the Premier League. Tuchel seems to be quite set on the team that he's got at Chelsea. It's a really good team. And also the fact that Southgate is recognising the success from these English players abroad. Obviously, when Sancho was in Germany um, and Jude Bellingham, obviously he's in Germany at the moment. He Southgate always seems to recognise the form that these English players are getting abroad. So I think it's good that he's given them the opportunity because obviously we're not watching them really. We don't know what's going on. Um, Where do you stand with Tammy Abraham? Obviously, he started ahead of Kane. It was only against Andorra. But a lot of people were saying, is he going to potentially be, you know, in 10 years' time or how many years' time, the future Harry Kane for England? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine so. I mean, he's, he's a decent player. He'll only get better through playing abroad. Mm-hmm. I think Trippier is an interesting one as well. He's gone to Spain, obviously, Atletico Madrid, and helped them win the first title for donkey's years. Yeah, so, you know, he's done really well over there. Yeah, so I definitely agree that it's worth, I think it does develop them better as players playing in different leagues rather than sticking to the Premier League. So I'm sure that's what Harry Kane should have done if he'd uh, mm. maybe thought things a bit different. But yeah, it was uh, good to see some, uh, was it 26, 27 times people from uh, have played for England, not from the English League. So it's oh, well, quite okay. a big number now, yeah. What's the deal with rugby? Is it a case, are they allowed to play for England rugby if they play outside of England? No, they're not. I'm not sure if they can play in Wales, possibly. But okay. A lot started joining the French League and they wouldn't let them join. Well, they That's wouldn't quite let them from the French League. Mm, so, uh, yeah, yeah, they seem to be doing really well and it's good to see them both get a bit of pitch time against Andorra and obviously Tammy Abraham will be talking a little bit more about the result a bit later, but he uh, scored against Andorra. So, I mean, Tuchel seems to be pro- quite set on his team, but it's good to see them doing well uh, abroad. Yeah, I was looking uh, at the other end of the uh, scale. You've got, uh, I thought it was exciting to see or interesting to see some of the bigger attendances at the lower league games. I talked about this before, I think, where mm-hmm. you've got no Premier League matches, people who are desperate to watch a bit of football and aren't satisfied watching England in a warm-up really against Andorra. So some cracking crowds, record crowd, Harrogate record crowds, something uh, 5,000 plus at Walsall, National League walking 4,500, Bromley 2,500. So yeah, no, it's really good and um, 
you'd like to hope that some of those people, if they've enjoyed the match, will um, come back again and uh, watch them again. So, yeah, long way it last in non-league. Uh, I'm sure there were some FA Trophy games as well, so okay. I imagine some of those would have had good attendances. So, yeah, brilliant to see the lower leagues and non-league getting some additional fans from the uh, Premier League and Championship not being uh, not being on. Well, my kickoff, I'm not really going to say it's a passionate kickoff. It's more just a potential praise and also just saying it would be nice to see a little bit more. It was it was good to see a female referee for the first time at a senior England's men's game also against Andorra. This is on the back of Rebecca Welch becoming the first female ref to take charge of an EFL game this year. Um, I think that was Harrogate. And obviously we've mentioned several times Sean Macy Ellis, a female official. So you can name on like one hand pretty much the amount of female officials within English football at the moment and I'm just saying really it'd be great to see some more if they're qualified enough and obviously capable enough to have some more female refs at higher level within English football then that'll be great to see it's great that we're already seeing um, obviously the female ref against on England's match Um, yeah I talked a couple of weeks ago about the female punditry and the commentators and what a great job they're doing so obviously I'm not saying just flood the English Premier League with loads of English refs just to make it equal they've got to be of a similar standard to the, to the male refs, of course, but um, yeah, as a as again as a female watching football, it's nice to see that there's been a bit more infiltration of female sporting roles within football. Really. Yeah, long may it last. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, this week there's been some big news around Newcastle being uh, bought by uh, Saudi Arabians, and I'm not sure there was all sorts of different stories around how. Um, how kosher they are in terms of their behaviour back in their own country. But uh, Newcastle fans, as you would expect, having been stuck with Mike Ashley for 14 years, were very excited. A Cockney uh, in charge of Newcastle always seemed a bit strange and 14 years after taking over, I'm not sure anybody liked him really much up in Newcastle. Always sort of never really spent much money. Uh, and when they did spend money, they didn't spend it particularly well. So yeah, uh, their record ever signing, 40 million quid, you know what it is? Oh, it was a guy last year, wasn't it? Uh, Joel Linton? Joel Linton, yeah. 40 million quid. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, ridiculous. I mean, it's just daft, really. So, yeah, they've not um, they've not really taken to Ashley. He's been there for 14 years. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. He so, owns Sports Direct, right? He does, yeah, yeah. and other things as well. Now. So I'm not sure what uh, the future holds. You know, on the positive, they could end up like City. Apparently, there's no limit to what they can spend. The fair oh, wow. play, whatever you call it. Yeah. Uh, they can spend as much as they want, do whatever they want. So they'll be looking for big names. And, and there's a good track record of teams getting ownership and then doing really well. So we shall see. Newcastle fans, obviously, very excited. Uh, certainly got WhatsApp videos going around, which are very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we shall see. Hopefully, you be careful what you wish for. But um, I think... There's none of them would want to keep Mike Ashley in his regime, so uh, chance of a fresh start. What's going to happen with Steve Bruce? I feel a bit sorry for him. Like I know they're, I mean they're not doing great. Do you reckon they're just going to get rid of him straight away? Uh, I imagine so. Yeah, they'll probably give him a chance, and if he doesn't win matches quickly, you can't imagine he'll be there much longer. But uh, they'll have the cash to throw around. But I think they've got to give him a couple of games. Halftime turnover now. Uh, so this is the team that saw the best halftime turnover within the match. And I'm looking at the World Cup qualifiers this week at Hampden Park in Group F. It was Scotland versus Israel, which at halftime, it was 2-1 to Israel. Quite a shock, really, after an early goal from Zahavi. Equalised quickly by McGinn. 
two minutes later, Israel then took back the lead with De Burgo. So they went in 2-1 at half time. Israel, which is quite fortunate actually, seeing as Dykes from Scotland missed a penalty, which would have got them equal at the break. So Steve Clark had half quite the half-time team talk. There's been a lot of quotes about him in the papers saying if you wanted to lose and this is the right way to go. And I think he really rinsed them at half-time and it definitely seemed to get them going. 55 minute in, Dykes got a goal. So that's 2-2. And then the 94th minute, apparently Sir Alex Ferguson was actually watching in the stands. So proper Fergie time, the 94th minute. McTominay, uh, ironically from Manchester United, gets the winner, uh, which meant that Scotland turned it around from 2-1 at half-time to win 3-2 versus Israel, which means that they're now second in the group behind Denmark. So I think that's quite a lot of pressure on them. You wouldn't expect Scotland to lose to Israel, so they needed the win. And at half-time, they just about managed to turn it around. Yeah, very good. Good win for Scotland, that's for sure. The My half-time turnarounds in League 2, Sutton versus Port Vila, said before Sutton's a record attendance, 3,000 plus. Uh, Port Vale, good team actually. They were 1 0 up in the 21st minute, then 2 0 up from Proctor. Sutton did get one but back before half time, but then Port Vale went back into a uh, 3. Uh, they were 3 2 up actually in the 87th minute, and then two late goals from Randall and Raw. They made it 4 3 for Sutton. 2 1 down, just about to finish the match. They won 4 3, so well done. Sorry, 3 2 down. So well done, Sutton. Second half of the podcast now, and this is something that we like to praise within football, something in the news, and it's another article that I've seen that is just showing a really good example of a footballer taking really positive initiative and setting a really good example, which is a Manchester City German midfielder, Ilkay Gundogan. Apparently he's to pay for 5,000 new trees to be planted, following obviously the huge natural disasters in Germany and Turkey. Also, apparently he's pledged to raise some more funds to support the regions destroyed by the floods and fire. I think he's going to be auctioning off some match tickets, like shirts, boots. He also apparently sent over 3,000 meals to Indonesia during the Ramadan. And this is, you know, I think I mentioned a couple of months back that Havertz from Chelsea, he also raised some money for the flooding in Germany. But again, I think selling some football attire and things like that. So that was like one of the smallest articles in the paper right at the back of the sports section. But it's really good just to see, you know, these very, very high paid footballers doing their bit and just trying to trying to have a positive impact. So, yeah, that's my uh, second half little ray from Ilkay Gundogan. Very good. Uh, well, I've, uh, as I said at the start of the podcast, I've got a little day out next Saturday off to uh, yeah, Port Vale watching Barrow, uh, which should be out of the ground I've not been to. So I've been reading up in the Football Grounds A Fan's Guide by Duncan Adams. They're reading all about the local pubs we can go to and all about the pies and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it looks like a good ground and uh, they're a good team. They're third in the league at the moment. Barrow are 11th, but they're uh, on a bit of an unbeaten run. So, uh, so yeah, it'd be uh, quite interesting day out and what's yeah, the capacity there? Twenty odd thousand. Hey, yeah. that'd be decent. How many Drek and Barrow might take? I think they'd probably take I don't know four or five hundred. Perhaps they've been mm-hmm. uh, taking fans to. I think there's a thing on the fans forum about grounds they want to go to, and I think Portville. A lot of them haven't been there, so like me, it's a chance to go to a new ground as well. So, uh, so yeah, I'm uh, very excited. Right. Oh, it's my time for my chant this week. Last week wasn't the best. So this week, I'm really trying to step my game up. It's a 1982 Pointer Sisters classic, which got to number 11 in the UK singles chart. So Pointer Sisters, I have chosen the song I'm So Excited 
and I'm going to be aiming this new chant to the Leicester City fans at the King Power Stadium and this is going to their Turkish centre-back Soyuncu. So this is my new chant this week for the Leicester fans. It would go, Leicester's excited and we just can't hide it. We're about to lose control and we think we like it. Leicester's excited and we just can't hide it because we got, we got, we got, we got, we got Soyuncu, Soyuncu. Well, I got a bit confused halfway through that. I'm, I'm, I can't work out which record it is. Like, so I'm, I'm so excited. excited. Yeah. I wasn't th- that excited. Like, it's probably five out of ten. Five I think. out of ten probably, down the middle yeah. of the road. All right. Do you reckon it could get chanting around the King Power Stadium? No. Thank you very much. <laughs> Final whistle. So rather than obviously there's no Premier League or Championship this week, I'll be rounding up just real quickly the World Cup qualifying matches that took place in case anyone missed them. Obviously, England with quite an expected convincing win versus Andorra, 5-0. Five different goal scorers, which is always exciting to see. Chilwell, Saka, Abraham, Ward-Prowse, Grealish. Two assists from Sancho, so that'll give him a real confidence boost because I don't think he's got any assists or goals so far for Manchester United after that big £70 million price tag that he's got. Um, England top of Group I, they've played seven, won six, drawn one, looking really good. Four points ahead of Albania, uh, who are in second, and five points ahead of Poland in third, who did win actually 5-0 versus San Marino. So England looking on the right track and look like we're going to top that group. And not too many shocks elsewhere. Comfortable win for Ireland in Group A, 3-0 at Azerbaijan. But they're still second from bottom in a really tough group, that one. Switzerland won 2-0 West Northern Ireland in Group C. So Italy are top in Group C at the moment, with Switzerland in second and Northern Ireland in third. It was a close match in Group D, as to be expected, really. Finland versus Ukraine. And it went to, to the away team, 2-1 to Ukraine, who won their second in the table. So they're four points behind France. And just quickly looking at Group J, you've got Scotland, um, who obviously, like I said, beat Israel. Uh, Denmark with a convincing win, 4-0 also at Moldova. Uh, League Two saw Forest Green had a home derby against uh, Swindon. Uh, and uh, Swindon came away with a 2-0 win. Very good, actually. Two second-half goals from McCurdy and Simpson. 12 shots on goal in the game, so a really exciting match, actually. Swindon, interesting, they were missing five players on international duty. I can't imagine were, which teams they were playing for uh, and why they would play if they were missing them. So yeah, that's ridiculous, actually. Lots of teams yeah, missing nobody, really. Do you, they must have to have a certain amount of players off them to... Or maybe they just disregard... five is a lot, yeah. Maybe they just disregard League Two, but... Um, Poor, seems a bit harsh. Yeah, it is harsh, but they still won 2-0, so well done to them. Uh, ben Gardner, ex-Bristol Rovers, he's the... Uh, Manager there, doing really well, actually. They're uh, up in the top. You're going to have to shut the window. We've got the Blumen ice cream man ice cream. going past. I might go and get one in a minute. <laughs> you have to make a tune up to that. Yeah, actually, that's true. Oh, my gosh. That wasn't that the football tune that he was just doing? Well, it was match of the day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, very, very relevant. So, yeah, uh, new Australian owner there seems to have settled it all down. I thought they might be favourites for relegation. They seem to have a bit of a in-between seasons. I've been gone down last season, but certainly they're playing really well. And Ben Gardner, new manager, doing really well, actually. And then uh, up the top as well, Harrogate had a massive 6-1 win at home to Scunthorpe. 5-0 by half-time. Goodness me, first half turnaround that was. Muldroon or Muldoon and Patterson got two each. Record league crowd, as I said, over 3,000 at Harrogate. 
nine shots on target. Scunthorpe pretty desperate actually. One shot on target and looking uh, looking like they're uh, in a bad way. Bottom of the table clash. Mansfield Oldham no surprise there nil nil. Mansfield eleven games without a win and make it even worse. George Maris. Uh, there's 11 minute uh, delay where he was treated for a bad enj- head injury and had to go off. So uh, gets worse for Mansfield recently. Bristol Rovers and Carlisle, two teams struggling, especially Carlisle are struggling. Bristol Rovers hammered them 3 0. Top of the table, Forest Green is still there, 23 points. Harrogate, 22. Swindon, 19. Port Vale and Tramier, 18. And at the bottom, Scunthorpe, uh, rock bottom with seven after that hammering at Harrogate. And Oldham, eight. Carlisle, down there now, Mansfield and Colchester all on 10. So uh, that's interesting. And then we're into the National League. National League, there's a big win for Chesterfield yesterday, 4-0 at Southend. Southend, interesting, actually. They're, um, as I said last week, they're struggling terribly and they have the fans protesting. They invaded the pitch. Chesterfield won 4-0 at Southend, uh, leaving Southend 20th and Chesterfield 4th. But uh, the match was stopped when uh, there was a pitch invasion from the Southend fans. Uh, 14 minutes stoppage. They were on there with the banners Martin out, trying to get the chairman Ron Martin out. Uh, they've had 100 years in the 101 years in the league, as we said last season before they went out of the league for the first time. Ron Martin's getting some stick. The fans invade the pitch for the second match running, uh, but what he does half an hour at the end of the match, he doesn't resign. He sacks the manager Phil Brown. <laughs> so Phil Brown's gone 30 minutes after the final whistle. So watch this space. We'll see what they're going to do next. Old South End. Yeah, in that win, Chesterfield uh, 4-0. Danny Rowe got a hat-trick, 31-year-old, born in Blackpool. Uh, was on the youth books at Man United, played for 11 different northern teams. Uh, his biggest spell was at AFC Fylde, who are a good... Uh, I think they're top of the northern premier, national northern premier. Uh, he got 155 goals in 241 games for Fylde. He's got 7-18 for Chesterfield, played for Oldham and Bradford in the league. So, yeah, he's doing well, Danny Rowe. Grimsby opened up a two-point lead at the top of the table with a 1-0 win at Walking with a late goal, 87th minute. So they've got 26 points from 11 games, doing very well. And Notts County had an unbeaten start, but they'd lost three on the bounce. Uh, but they came back on form with a 2-0 win at Yeovil. Ruben Rodriguez got both goals. Uh, so as we know, Grimsby uh, top. Second place, Boreham Wood on 24 points. Uh, and third, Halifax, who are a good run with 23 points. Down the bottom of the big bottom of the table, clash Dover, Barnet, Barnet won 2-1 at Dover. Other ones at the bottom, Aldershot lost 1-0 at Stockport and Weymouth lost 2-0 at Halifax. Uh, so down the bottom there, you've got Dover, minus 9 now, so they're looking pretty doomed. Aldershot on 7 uh, and Weymouth and Southend and Kingsland actually are on 8 points at the bottom, so uh, tough times for Southend. Also got to mention in League One that there were actually four matches altogether. All four home wins, interestingly. Plymouth moved top on goal difference after a 2-1 home win versus Burton Albion, who sit around about the mid-table. Wickham moved up to second, a 2-0 win versus Gillingham, just two points above the drop zone now, Gillingham. So they're struggling a bit. Uh, Ipswich won 2-1 versus Shrewsbury, and they remain in uh, Shrewsbury, who remain in the bottom four and just two points from safety. And then another home win for Sheffield Wednesday, 1-0 versus Bolton, who dropped to 8th, and Wednesday are just behind them in 9th. Bar 
Barnet of the Week. Well, my Barnet of the Week, and we might have had him a couple of seasons ago. I'm going back for Tammy Abraham. He seems to have maintained his lovely Barnet, but also gone for a little bit of blonde tips at the top, which I'm appreciating. He's not gone full Phil Foden, Gascoigne, bright blonde hair. He's just gone for little blonde tips. And obviously now he's in Italy. He's with Roma. He's got Mourinho. He's a bit of a silver fox. The Italians are known for their good Barnets, aren't they? So, um, yeah, I think Tammy Abraham's doing a very good job of maintaining his lovely, lovely Barnet. Yeah, so uh, not an epitaph. As an epitaph for Phil Brown's time at Southend, uh, I've got Phil Brown, who's uh, become trendier as the years have gone. He's 62 years old now, and uh, he's looking pretty smart. Let's see a photo of him. Yeah, there you go. I think that's him recently looking... uh, Oh, wow. Looking a bit smart with his uh, casual oh, look and his swept back hair and stuff, but uh, didn't help him uh, get... Was that uh, Hull he used to be at? Hull he was at, yeah, yeah. He was at Southend before, then he came back to Southend, I think. So he's been at Southend at least twice, but I um, wonder where he'll go next. He might turn up at Newcastle, you oh, never know. Oh, yeah, you never know. He is a Geordie, he might do. Is he? Right, that's it for Football Chants and Rants with the Plants. Don't forget you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, just search at Plants and Rants. And you can have your say on what you think of this week's chant for Leicester City. Uh, but that is it for this week. We might have to go and get a uh, number 99 down. Mr Whippy's around the corner with his match of the day going on at the moment. So we'll be back with some more Football Chants and the Rants of the Plants next week. And we'll see you then.